Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide podcast on a special weekend episode. Today, I'm joined by Laura Overton, who is the founder of Towards Maturity, where she's led a global research program for the last 15 years, bringing together community practitioners, policymakers, experts, and suppliers together to investigate how learning innovation delivers business value. Laura's been tracking the L&D industry since 2004. 2004, yep, you heard that right. She's authored or co-authored over 70 major research reports and is a regular contributor to industry publications, having written over 300 articles. As an industry change maker, she regularly shares good practices, findings, and findings as a keynote presenter at conferences around the around the globe and through master classes, webinars, and seminars. And today we're going to talk about a topic her and I are both passionate about, which is truly the future of learning and all of this innovation that she's seeing in the learning industry right now, post COVID-19, as well as her thoughts on how learning will change and how business businesses need to start focusing on the business value of learning and thinking about it from a business centric lens. With that said, please let me know where you're tuning in from. Say hello and show me some love in the comments. Shout out to you, Tammy. Thank you so much. I love you too. You're amazing, amazing, amazing. So show us some love in the comments as we go through the live episode and we'll definitely shout you out. With that said, let me go ahead and bring Laura on the show. Hey, Laura. Hello. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you for making time, Laura. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, actually. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Uh, Saturday evening here. So I spent the day in the garden, which I'm yeah. very, very lucky to be able to do that over here in London. Yeah. yeah. England. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where you're, you're tuning in from, London, England. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. In Wimbledon, actually. So Ooh. very near to the cancel tennis, I'm afraid. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> How have you been hanging there during COVID-19? It's been an interesting time. It's been an interesting time. I mean, I feel I'm one of the more fortunate people. I'm used to remote working yeah. and set up at home to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, you're feeling people's pain from all over the all over the globe, really. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've always worked in the field of um, online learning, which means that I'm kind of used to being online. But, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, uh, interesting times. But you know we're British. We love to talk about the weather. It's been amazing here. So that and a cup of tea, we're fine. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about, you know, when did you start, you know, your work in the online learning industry? A long time ago. Very long time ago. <laughs> um, I actually started in the mid-80s, straight wow. from grad school. Um, I I did a a degree in maths and psychology and I really wanted to get into training, which I know is a really unusual first step. Most people go there from from another direction. And it was in the mid 80s where I first got introduced to online technology. And that really, really changed my life. It kind of just, oh my God, this makes sense. 
you know it's uh, i just done a whole heap of theory on how adults learn and and suddenly this this tool and technology which is in a cupboard underneath the stairs of the office that i worked in that's how um how highly regarded it was at the time <laughs> yeah. um was, was there so that's really how i got i got started and i got hooked on this i i just wow. felt had potential and you know, for the first 15 years of my career that's that's what i did i was working with organizations really at the edge of the curve mm. you know, really at the forefront of doing things differently and thinking about learning differently and that was really until the dot-com bubble burst and at that point everyone was saying you know what technology doesn't work mm. uh, it should be the classroom all the way we always told you so that it wasn't going to get there and that's where I suddenly thought, you know, I've done 15 years of this and sometimes it works. Yeah. But sometimes it really drives real value for organizations, not just training mm. value or learning value. And that's where we, when I started doing a research program and saying, okay, well, why? Why, yeah. what, what works? Why does it work for some and not for others? And I started off with my foot in the technology field, but actually it was very clear. Uh, the longer that research program went on, the mm. more it was about the, how organizations were changing and adapting and shifting them, their mindset to the way mm. that they release learning and release value into their organizations. And, and the research bubbled that up. And I did that for 15 years until the beginning of last year. So wow. it's a, a 15 year longitudinal study around the globe. So yeah. Wow. Uh, so yeah, don't ask me how long I've been in <laughs> like, like you won't get a short answer. <laughs> no, 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 no. So you know, I think, and what's so amazing. And so I want to show some love to some of the people who are tuning yeah. in. Hey Bertrand, who's tuning in from the Netherlands which is awesome. Shout out to the Netherlands. You are the first viewer, I think, that's ever tuned in from the Netherlands before, which is pretty awesome. Elle is tuning in from Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much, Elle. And Tammy and Carl, thank you once again. Please make sure to share this live episode with your network if you are feeling it and if you are feeling Laura's amazing energy. Shout out to Ibrahim, who's tuning in from Nigeria. Thank you so much, Ibrahim. Nijaga, similar to me. So, Laura, you know, you had this very global view of how learning has changed for, for years now. You know, I would love for you to kind of give us, you know, what have been some of the major threads or the major themes that you've seen change in the last few years? Well, certainly they, we've had the flood of technology. Yeah. We, we've had that flood of technology. We've had the internet. We've had the concept of e-learning was introduced 15 years ago, but the technology keeps churning and keeps on moving mm. um, and refines um, potentially what we can be doing with learning. And obviously I've been looking at that. I've been tracking that and with many other people. And, uh, mm. you know, that that's, you know, the role of data, the role of intelli um, artificial intelligence, that's starting to, to kind of creep in um, mm. as well. But I think what hasn't changed is generally our industry's attitude to mm. whether or not we can trust it. Um, and I think the other thing that has changed, okay, what has and what hasn't, what has changed though is the world around us is trusting technology now. Mm. It's, it's using technology. We're working with it in the last few months. We're having to work with it and stretch it and learn how to ignore it as yeah. we connect with each other, as we learn to work, learn to say, actually, this isn't the big deal. So around us, that world is changing, you know, in terms mm. of our acceptance, you know, so I think that's really important. Over the years as well, we've seen an increase in the talk about delivering value with learning. 
mm. um, as well. And I think that's really interesting that it's people are starting to talk less about, you know, sort of how many courses can we get through, how much efficiency yeah. can we get through with our courses to, you know, what can we achieve with yeah. the way that we learn. But with that talk has come, I think, a lot of concern within the industry too. So yeah. uh, you know, people struggle to actually equate learning value bit to business value. Mm. Um, we, 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 we're, we're okay with the learning value, but we are really struggle with understanding what business value looks like. So, you know, there have been some changes and certainly there's a lot of discussion in our industry about change. Whether or not it's going to change, I'm not sure. I'm still watching yeah. everybody else. <laughs> yeah. So you feel as if attitudes have changed and yeah. now people are getting much more comfortable with the technology, especially learners and employees. But more importantly, as the rise and the pro proliferation of technology is taking over everything, you know, the organizations are, are now forcing are being forced to think more so about okay, how do we focus on the business value, not only the technology or the content. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the big challenges is over the last few years, there's been a lot of focus on content yeah. with, with learning professionals. How do we get content, big content, small content, gamified content, you know, yeah. micro content, mobile content, e-content. It's all about <laughs> how can we how can we pour our love onto yeah. our audience through our content? Yeah. And our audience is like going, whoa, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I don't want content. I want to be able to do my job faster, quicker, smarter, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and I think some of the thing that in losing our content, we potentially lose our connection. Mm. You know, by mm. focusing on content, we, we lose our connection um, with our audience. And certainly mm. all the research showed me that the more mature organizations, you know, maintained and dug into that connection first. You know, they mm. connected to what mattered in the business rather than saying, how do I do content for that for the, for you know, my audience? So. Mm, that's powerful. So I want to show love to our audience really quick. You know, Robbie, the fantastic Robbie Baxter is saying hi, Tim Salad, Laura Overton. Good stuff. She is feeling it. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Robbie, for tuning in and finding time to show Laura and I some love. Bahman is saying greetings from Iran. We have someone tuning in from Iran, which is amazing. I think you're the first, Bahman. Thank you so much for tuning in. Ruth is saying she's tuning in from Nigeria. Thank you so much, Ruth, for tuning in. If you are learning anything or if you, or if you have any questions for Laura and I, please make sure to put it in the comments and we'll definitely shout you out and show you love. So, you know, one of the things that, Laura, that you talk about a lot is that you need to focus on the business value, right? So just not content first or learners being learner-centric. It's like, how are you driving business value? You know, in all of your research and the work that you do now, which are a few organizations that you think are, are doing this right? Well, I think the people who are doing it right are the people who are actually tuning in to, mm. you know, we, we've talked about it already, already tuning in to yeah. uh, what their workforce needs rather than what learning their workforce needs. Mm. You know, so um, uh, I was recently in discussion with uh, Rachel Hutchinson from Hilti, which is um, a global construction organization. Um, and it's just really interesting. A while back, she really worked out that the learning provision that they were delivering wasn't connecting with the workers, the way that workers mm. were working in their organization. So she started a really a, a transformation program Wow. that actually started to say, okay, as learning professionals, how do we connect mm. 
with what's important? How do we connect with what the performance that's needed in the organization? How do we bring everyone together, stakeholders and experts and managers mm. to say, okay, what do we all need to do in order to drive value to move this forward? Um, and she did um, some, she's talking a lot at the moment. Um, I'm very happy if people want to connect with me to send me send links to this about the work she was doing with her teams and uh you know um recently i heard a, a, an interview directly through with her where she said you know those teams that had really embraced this new way of working and learning they'd actually been mm. working with the expert program from the 70 2010 institute um and but those that had really embraced that within the organization were ready and equipped to really carry on driving value once the, the organization had changed. And it was very interesting because business value was being driven because of the relationship that they had and because of the way that they mm. were redefining how they were architecting the solution to address a performance problem, not thinking about how do I get you a better course online? <laughs> you know, and I think that was really interesting because she actually had a little bit, you know, I love a little bit of data, a bit of experiment. And she actually had um, an, uh, an natural experiment going on because some of the organization had really embraced some of this new way of thinking. And what she found in COVID was that that part of the organization really took off the other side of the organization they were struggling a little bit they well actually you know i am comfortable in doing things my current mm. way and the work likes it this way they like to ask me for a course and i've got a good relationship i don't want to rock the boat and they that side of the organization struggled a little bit more so i think it was quite an interesting um example of mm. of really training people up internally training the learning professionals to think differently and to work differently and then creating new language within the mm. business about learning that then all led to value and they you know loads of examples you know time to competency reduce onboarding reduce you know, you know the way getting people's confidence up was you know it's just was phenomenal the difference that that kind of work was making but you know that's just one mm. example that's a powerful example, you know, and Robbie is sharing all kinds of comments in the comments. We have a lot of comments and questions flooding in. So I want to start with Robbie Baxter again. By the way, make sure you go pick up The Forever Transaction, which is Robbie's latest book on the subscription economy. It's fantastic. I read it. And she's actually going to be a guest on a future episode. So make sure you go pick it up. So Robbie is saying, I'm interested in what the lasting value of this moment will be for the learning world. What are your thoughts about that, Lauren? The lasting value, what it could be, yeah. it's just phenomenal. Yeah. Certainly all the research that I've been doing is that when we start to think differently as learning professionals about rather than being learning producers to learning enablers in mm. the organization. Um, you know, I talk about it in some of the research I'm doing right moving from the left to the right of the curve. Um, this environment right now is just right for hmm. experimentation, for saying, you know what, I know we always used to do it that way, but the evidence shows us that if we work together differently as an organization, as teams, as a learning function supporting you, then maybe, just maybe, we'll actually not only get through this, but fly at the end of it. You know, wow. as businesses are redefining their business models, potentially we should be redefining the way our learning models uh, and, mm. and learning business models for organizations as well. And I think the opportunity, Robbie, right now 
oh my God, is phenomenal for that, for experimentation and trying things out and being in partnership and applying some of the evidence that many of us have gathered over the years about what innovation actually looks like doesn't look like technology but what it actually <laughs> looks like you know so I think so part of me Robbie is oh my god I'm so excited mm. another part of me is very scared because I've lived through as you can imagine uh, quite a few recessions and everyone was going to go online and the classroom is dead and we're gonna you know and we've been there so many times and and what we also find is that people hang on to the past and I'm mm. running a series of questions right now on LinkedIn actually um, the questions that I've been asked is the classroom dead and the number of people have come in and said no it's not but it's changing da, 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 mm -hmm. all of those kinds of things but what I'm also sensing is we can't wait to go back to what we're used to no. and so we're justifying what we're used to and you know I don't I don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with a great experience but when we are face to face we need to work out what it is that uniquely gives us he gives us um and so uh, in terms of the future of learning great opportunity but we are in danger of being sucked right back through our familiarity through our comfort zone and through the organization around us their expectations of what what it is that we ought to be doing for them so those that want to challenge right now go for it yeah um, experiment you will, you will be the future of learning in the future of work <laughs> right now I love it, Laura. I love it. You know, and Robbie asked earlier, are you specifically talking about organizational learning versus university K through 12? Or are you kind of, are you looking through the entire chain? What what, what are your thoughts on this, Laura? I have absolutely focused on uh, the learning in the world of work. Yeah. Where the, the, the learner is called anything but a learner. <laughs> when a learner is a teacher, when a learner is a nurse, when a learner is a doctor, a project manager, a salesperson, you know, it's the world of work that is mine. But I also, you know, a lot of my work has been picked up, certainly in the early years by the UK government and looking at it to inform some of their, in theory, inform some of their decisions about how they also look at further um, vocational and higher education. The trouble is, same across the board we're so familiar with the stuff that's worked in the past mm. it's very hard to prize it out of our hands you know mm. and I think one of the research programs that uh, the lot one of the last series of, of reports that I did when I was leading towards maturity was all about the transformation curve and that pivot point of change and those organizations where their learning really transformed were letting go of things along the line and had to mm. let go in order to move on. You know, the S curve, you know, where it's great, it's great, it's great, and then it drops. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, in terms of any new product, but but those that were actually really thinking about the future, moving from the left to the right of the curve, were realizing they're coming to the top of that curve. And how do we let go of certain things that have worked for us in the past in order to take the next? Sorry, my arms are all going all over the place. <laughs> But, you know, that pivot point of change, letting go of, of from mm. one phase, moving into the other, something we find really difficult. And I think that's the same in higher and and uh, and, and in further education as well as in the corporate world. But my, yeah. my background's corporate. Yeah. Not for profit, you know, work, the world of work. Yeah, yeah. So my friend, Mr. Doza, is saying he's an investor in the e-learning sector here in Bangladesh. He wants to know how can he take the examination online while ensuring the student does not cheat? 
Okay. I think that's a very specific question. Do you have any thoughts on this, Laura? Oh, my God. Um, I Do I have any immediate thoughts? What I do know is that we have been asking that question for at least 25 years. And mm. that's what's stopping organizations moving into doing this. It's like, but, but I think it's an old mindset. I think it's an old style mindset of, you know, sort of if, if the questions are easy, if the questions are multiple choice, you know, how can you get the answers? And I think possibly one of the things we're going to have to move into is thinking about, well, how do people demonstrate their competency? How mm. do they do that through, you know, video, through blogging, through, you know, the concept of coursework um, mm. in this new online world, I think is going to be a lot more um, dynamic for us to be thinking about. But, uh, you know, sort of there are technologies, there are tools, but it's an old school mindset of how do I take my exam? Um, and, and I think those that are leading edge are going to be thinking, OK, how do I approach this in a better way? Because mm. yeah, actually, I want competence at the end of this. Yeah, certainly in the world of work, I, I, I need competence. I need people to be doing things differently. And does a multiple choice test, whether they've cheated or not, actually prove that? Mm. I'll leave that one with you. Over to the discussion. <laughs> I love that. I love that. No, no. And I think one of the things that excites me about, you know, about the future of learning is this focus on competency-based learning models within the workforce, but also within the education system. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the best ways for you to validate and determine competency for any learner is if they're actually participating in that learning, whether it be through blog posts or through video content, you know, that's how you really gauge if someone is learning, if they can also create and they're going through that feedback cycle. So, you know, Robbie has a question for you. What do you see as the role of professional associations and societies versus corporation, corporate learning and training orgs versus internal teams? So I'll repeat that again. What do you see as the role of professional associations and societies versus corporate learning and training orgs versus internal teams? Well, I think internal teams are at the... Um, at the cutting edge if i'm reading you rightly robbie here this concept of actually you know the teams being the ones who are interfacing with the customer interfacing with the patients in hospital and you know and they're the ones where performance is going to be critical and that and for me certainly in my research work moving right towards the most mature organizations teams are critical teams are critical the role of the line manager is critical i did um, a, a ongoing uh, research program with workers directly and it really flagged the way that they worked in teams um, was very very crucial to the way that they learn and they connected and they applied their learning so I think you know that is the cutting edge and that is where all of our work ought to be starting then moving backwards to your question corporate learning and training are the next next ones in line you know how what is our role in supporting those teams and that organization to be able to learn in the very best way and then our professional associations ought to be professionalizing us ought to be raising um, the bar they ought to be uh, leading the way ought to be challenging the profession and also I think the, the role of professional organizations should be challenging the businesses themselves hmm. You know, because sometimes the corporate L&D teams can't challenge the way that the business thinks. If, if your CEO has had a great experience in the classroom, he's going to want great classroom for whole other, you know, and sometimes you know, we've got to challenge some of this in the right way, evidence informed 
thinking. And I think those roles, um, like it has to start with work. Mm. It has to start with work. How are we working? How are we learning at work? And how do we then all support that in that in that hierarchy? But I, I believe that the learning function needs to be um, braver mm. and more courageous and to be proud of their profession and to be a professional you know, a business person, and I think the professional organisations, certainly the CIPD over here, um, the Chartered Institute of Personal Development over here has really moved from, you know, sort of being just HR to really looking at this professional focus. And, and I think they are an excellent example of, of looking, at, you know, playing a great role in that environment. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So Robbie is also continuing. And thank you so much, Robbie, for being so engaged and asking brilliant questions um, for this live episode. And I'm going to also touch on a question from Ibrahim as well, who's saying, actually, I think have I think having e-learning of all kind of knowledge could assist in pandemic situations like the one we're currently in. And however, how could will we make the courses cheaper? Mm -hmm. And I think, Ibrahim, you're you're right can i just kind of pick up on the word um e-learning here because yeah. i was around when the concept of e-learning was actually born it's 21 years old <laughs> and I did it, 1999 and the concept of e-learning wasn't about online content it was about having the right resources, the right content, the right support, access to the internet. So you've also got that immediacy of being able to find out um, what, what's going on um, in the context of the initiative that you're bringing together. And it was all about personalization. Now, that mm. was back in 1999. Now, because most people couldn't do that, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, e-learning soon became this is how you get your content online and how things get cheaper. So, Ibrahim, when you when I agree with you, this pandemic is not just about health and safety and about getting the rules out, but it's about how do we connect with each other? How do we um, keep absolutely current in a very complicated world? And I don't know what it's like where you are, but certainly here in the UK, all of our guidance it's it's vague it's open mm. to interpretation it's open to application of common sense you can't tell people what to do now that we're starting to come out of lockdown we've got to learn how to respond and just putting out content which can be done massively cheaply isn't isn't enough but we can also do things like using linkedin how do we connect with people how do we you know there are a lot of a lot of ways of being able to support people through that pandemic and through their confidence and their well-being and their resilience as well as their skills um, in ways that are flexible in the true concept of e-learning um, which actually is a lot cheaper than sending everyone off to the classroom which at the moment in most places is <laughs> so <laughs> but i don't know whether that helps um ibrahim but i think if we keep focusing on the cost of courses we're always going to be perceived in the world of work as a cost center Mm. And then our true potential is going to be just cut, cut off, even if we're doing them for just a few cents. You know, it's, you know, why spend a few cents when you can spend nothing? Mm. You know, every, even a cent needs to prove value now. That's so true. That's so true. These are powerful thoughts, Laura. You, we, your passion is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think people can feel it through the stream, you know, I, and 
I think going on this tangent, by the way, Robbie says she loves the idea of the associations challenging the corporations, and she finds your thoughts on this very interesting, Laura, which is pretty awesome. You know, I I, want to kind of get back to our conversation, Laura, you know, with with where you see El Ending going, you mentioned earlier, you're a little bit scared, but you're also optimistic because this is an opportunity for us to experiment, right? You know, at a high level, you know, what innovations do you expect? Do you want to see, you know, as someone that's really, that's, that's, that's viewed changes in this industry for years now and at a high global level? I want to see shifts in the way that learning professionals think about their business in an organization now you know i know all the tech and the tools and everything else are going to create incredible opportunities for us but actually what i've seen is that we've had incredible opportunities with technology for the last 15 years and it doesn't there's a few early adopters most people challenging everyone gets caught up on the semantics you know you know the time something new is introduced yeah oh what do we mean about learning what what does learning really mean and it's like no We have to get out of our echo chamber, out of our bubble, out of our mindset. Um, I work with um, Jos Aretz, who is at the 702010 Institute. And, uh, you know, he talks regularly about this um, this kind of formal learning mindset. Even though we apply mm. technology, we're, we're in that mindset. And, you know, and I'm 100% in agreement with him and Charles Jennings and the people there to say that what I want to see is us changing the business of learning in organizations. Mm. I think learning leaders who really step up to that challenge to say, actually, we're going to change the business of learning because we're going to put value first. Mm. We're going to put value first. And that may mean redefining what we do in some cases and refining some of the things that we've done in the past and maybe killing off some of the things we've done in the past, but having new business models, new business thinking and learning. That is what I want to see in the future because that's what I've seen in pockets over the last 30 years and it works, yeah. but it doesn't work enough and it doesn't work consistently. And our industry is getting discouraged and it shouldn't be because it has power in its hands. And, I, I, you know, my heart is that we should pick up our courage <laughs> and use it. <laughs> And shape our future and shape the future of the organizations around us. Yeah. No, I, it's so powerful you're saying you're saying that because you know, what you mentioned earlier is that a lot of companies are now in the opportunity of of this metamorphosis due to COVID nineteen. They're changing and rethinking their business models. But not only that, is a lot of talent is now becoming decentralized, right? Mm-hmm. So if there's ever an opportunity for you to kind of like embrace a new way of thinking about L&D within your business and the core function of L&D is now, right? Yeah. Where people are open to changes, right? Yeah. You have your talent transitioning from having to be on site and now embracing how they can how they can design their work around their life. Now, how does learning fit into that, right? And how are you communicating that with your people? Well, I think the interesting thing about all of this is that talent is on the, exec- the, the C-suite's agenda. You know, um, even before COVID, you know, it was all about what talent do we need? We haven't got the right talent to be able to move into the digital age. How do we reform? How do we think differently? Um, You know, catching, keeping, 
retaining the right talent <laughs> to be able to move forward, retraining, you know, the whole thing. And it's, and it's been a C-suite agenda for a while. Yeah. You know, where it's at the board level where people are saying, actually, we are going to have to change in terms of our talent. Mm -hmm. And yet most learning professionals don't know how to respond to that. Apart from mm -hmm. thinking, oh, good, I'm still in the job. I can do lots more courses. And lots more online courses and lots of cheaper courses. But actually, you know, we need to be bringing the silos down between organizational development, recruitment, talent, business, and actually say, okay, how do we all work together on that on that goal? Oh, I don't know that makes sense. <laughs> that makes <laughs> absolutely sense. Sure the, sure the guys will tell us. <laughs> Break down the silos is what Laura is mm -hmm. saying. So I want to show love to Michael, who's just tuning in. Michael, you have missed such a wonderful episode, but you can catch the replay and recording live on LinkedIn, on YouTube, and on Spotify. We're going to upload it to Spotify. Ibrahim is saying, thank you, Laura. You've been a wealth of knowledge. He appreciates everything you've said. So, you know, with that said, Laura, where can our amazing God community find you? Uh, well, I am on LinkedIn. Um, very yeah. active on LinkedIn. I'm also active on Twitter, uh, Laura Overton. Um, it would be great if you have more questions or whatever to uh, yeah, connect through with me. Um, I'm, I'm in a series at the moment of asking for a friend on LinkedIn. You know, when people <laughs> ask me questions, I'm kind of putting them out to the community and, oh, my God, it's so interesting, the different responses that are coming back. So, yeah, join the conversation with me there, definitely. And shout out to Krisica, who's going to get the last word today. She's like, wow, amazing. Two words to recap and cap the episode. Wow, amazing. Be sure to follow Laura on LinkedIn. She's really prolific. And I also shared her Twitter in the comments as well. Laura, thank you so much for joining us on this live episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. Such a pleasure. Thank you for testing me, <laughs> stretching my thinking on a Saturday evening. <laughs> Always. We'll have to have you on for a future episode. How about that? Love to. Love, love to. to. Bring the questions in up front and let's tackle them together. Let's do it. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everybody, as well. <laughs> With that said, you all, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode, special weekend episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, A Guy Podcast. If you're interested in being a future guest, check out utfow.com. If you want to sponsor, check out utfow.com. With that said, I hope you all are staying safe, healthy, and inspired on changing the world, taking control of your learning. And more, in more importantly, if you're a creator and you want to be a part of our early access program for guide, check out guideapp.co, guideapp.co, and sign up for early access. With that said, you all, talk to you all soon. Peace, love. Bye-bye.